The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. Cross green. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 145 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host Zandrick Ellison. And Zan, how are you today? Doing well, how you doing, Tyler? I'm we just recorded right. and lost about 40 minutes, and we're going to recreate the magic. That's true. So if this one's a little bit shorter. What do you think the Bovada Sportsbook over-under for the length of this specific version? It'll be of? about 40 minutes. You can't help yourself. You had this like long metaphor about Mentos. Do you want to return to that or no? It was about Brooklyn. There. Yeah. yeah, we'll get to there. Because um, people are waiting for that, and I didn't want people to miss that. Um, but let's talk because we, we missed the deadline last week. And so we have so much to talk about and it's just trying to organize our thoughts and our Mentos metaphors all together. And so I was going to run down sort of the big moves and you give me your reactions. Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. Cause I want to order it by sort of tiers because some teams are adding, some teams are tinkering, some teams are blowing it up. And so they all fit into these kind of neat little categories. And let's start at the top, like the title contenders that are, I would say tweaking things. Um, you know, you're not making major moves, but let's start with the LA teams. The Lakers, it's not a trade, but they're adding Andre Drummond to their depleted, now depleted roster. Clippers kindly cut bait with uh Lou Williams are getting in the the playoff rondo. Do you think either of those moves at this stage of their career is gonna materially change? them i definitely think the drummond deal is good for the lakers obviously right now with lebron hurt and anthony davis hurt and us seeing like kind of no end in sight on that i think it matters to get somebody who's productive marcus all hasn't really worked out trez has been really good for them but I, I think like adding another body is somewhat important and one thing about drummond is he is productive right and he's not the greatest defender but vogel has been pretty good at getting guys like him to buy in and defend so I think that deal is pretty darn good uh, for the Lakers. And I think at full strength, you know, he's he's just going to end up being a backup. They'll play him some with Anthony Davis. It'll be similar to like the Anthony Davis, JaVale McGee thing. And then they'll realize like, hey, we can't win this way in the playoffs. The Rondo thing, I don't really understand. Uh, I guess like the Clippers are just really struggling to kind of get their locker room where they want it to be. Right. And so – Rondo does get good credit as a leader and and certainly playoff Rondo was a thing last year, but he's also on the hook for another like seven and a half million next year. Lou Williams is, I mean, the guy's the, probably the best of all time at what he does, which is just being a scorer off the bench. So I don't, I don't know if there's still some like ill will about what happened last year, no pun intended, but like that deal just makes no sense to me. I was stunned to see it. Rondo has been awful for the, Hawks this year like he's just been one of the worst players in the NBA and so I don't understand it I I really really don't and maybe they think he'll lock back in on a team that he knows is going to the playoffs but like the Clippers are not that far away we talked about it last week how they're kind of like the Bucks in the sense where 
it might be like a sleeping giant that we're just ignoring right now and that they're really playing well. And then they go and trade like a very valuable part of what it is they do for Rondo. And I just don't. Yeah, I I get it. I actually got it. I disagree with you. Um, I think we said this before, the most dangerous to me players to have on your team are not like the bad players. Like I'm looking at the Clippers roster. I don't know Jay Scrub. Maybe he's good, but like Jay Scrub's not going to hurt you because he's not going to play. He's not going to play. He's a rookie. He's named Jay Scrub too. That's not a good sign for his career. The guys that hurt you the most to me are the guys that you overplay and there's not that good anymore. And Rondo, I think, fits that bill. You know, especially in the playoffs, he played well, but apparently you know, not. Apparently not. <laughs> but I, I see the reason I disagree with you. I think Lou Williams had has started to slide into that as well. Yeah. Like he hasn't been playing that well. He's not a good defender. Obviously, he offensively he doesn't really fit this team that well. And I think he'd become a liability for them. And I'd rather see those minutes go to like Luke Kennard um, or their bigger wings. Hey. You know, and they did, you could tell that, like, they've struggled to try to find somebody to kind of, like, run their offense, right, and, like, be an actual point guard because it's not what Patrick Beverly does. Like, it's not what Lou Williams did. And so, like, Rondo, we did see, like, he is, you know, LeBron was the point guard of the Lakers last year, but, like, Rondo is very capable of running an offense in the playoffs. So, and I think that that's something that Ty Lue is interested in having, somebody who they feel comfortable having the ball in their hands and they're not yeah, just going like to go crazy. Yeah, he's, like, a trustworthy field general, right? Yeah, it's unbelievable that we're talking about Rondo again like he made us eat so much crow last year but like I don't think what I will say about this is like I don't think either of these moves should really push any Bovada odds like I I just don't see it like I I think that whether or not you think playoff Rondo is a thing like this doesn't make the Clippers a lot better and Drummond does make the Lakers better but it might not matter right because well I think it's it's interesting the way it's been treated by the media and it's a great situation for the Lakers. I mean, all these other teams are desperate to make moves and add talent. What do you trade? How many picks do you give up when like stars just get bought out and you can just sign them yeah. for nothing. Um, and it's weird that it's being treated because that ties in with Brooklyn. Like Brooklyn's adding all these old big names, you know, the Marcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, and these guys are over the hill. Drummond is 27. Yeah. It's crazy. And, right. He's and so he's still young. putting up big numbers, rebounding numbers mostly, but still, I think that it's more a referendum lately on like just how valuable is he versus like him being past his prime. Cause is, I think he's in his prime. It's just like, people don't think he's that valuable. Is Drummond like the next like Roy Hibbert or like Spencer Hawes or like, I'm trying to think of Greg Monroe where they go from like big second contract to just like out of the league. And you're like, what the hell happened? Like, yes. Yeah, I don't think he's that bad. I think he's going to have a nice little run here, especially just playing the role that they want. They just wanted like some, true center to like help Anthony Davis feel like he's not getting beaten up. So what happens though? Like with Andre Drummond, does he just sign like a two year, like $12 million deal with somebody to be like a, a pseudo backup big. Yeah. Next year is going to be very interesting. Cause he like you want to be like, LeBron's friend, right? You want him to really like you. Cause if that's the case, then you, you know, Tristan Thompson keeps getting deals worth like decent money. So like if LeBron likes you, Andre Drummond, you'll probably be fine. But I mean, talk about a good problem to have. It's like, you probably should be playing Anthony Davis the small ball five a lot. They don't really. And then you have Montrez Harrell, who's a great backup, and Andre Drummond playing center. Like you have an abundance of riches as far as right there. Yeah. If everybody's healthy, like I, I do think the Drummond move helps because Marcus Saul just doesn't, see, you know, guy's a Hall of Famer, in my opinion, Marcus Saul. I don't know if he'll get there. We've talked about this on the show before, but. 
just looks like it's over. And that's okay. It happens. People get old and it just doesn't look like Marcus Saul is going to be the contributor that I thought he would. And like Drummond, like a 15 minute guy who's going to get every freaking rebound on the court. Like it's not, a, it's not a bad problem to have, right? Cause you can play him next to Trez, although it is hard. Trez really does need to be a, a five man, but you know, we'll see. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing. And I think like Drummond stood to help the Lakers more than any other team, in my opinion, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like in terms of like, where could he go on the buyout market? Well, what about Boston? Don't you think he would help Boston? But... I don't know. I, I don't know. Cause with, with Boston, I think they need a big who has a little bit more skill. Drum, Drummond is good though. Like Drummond would have helped Boston, but like Robert Williams and, and Drummond are like pretty similar. Right. Yeah. And, well, we'll talk about Boston in a second. So but the Lakers just don't have another guy like Andre Drummond. Right. Davis is a skilled big. Trez is just an energy five man. That's who he is. And so now you have another guy like this is kind of like a better version of Dwight Howard for them last year. And Dwight was yeah. very useful in the playoffs. For them. Absolutely. Um, Brooklyn, we mentioned, alluded to, added LaMarcus Aldridge on top of Blake Griffin, all these big names that people in the media are treating like they're in their prime. You don't see that. And that led you to the Mentos. So let's hear the Mentos analogy now. All right. So they, they had LaMarcus Aldridge on the bio market, which I thought was really surprising. We hold, we heard the entire trade deadline that LaMarcus was going to get bought out or they were, the, the Spurs were going to try to trade him. But if they didn't, they were going to buy him out and he was going to go to Miami. Uh, when I got the text that he went to the Nets, I was legitimately stunned. Uh, he is a useful player still in the sense that he can make jump shots, but we've seen him have problems with his shot distribution before, both in terms of the shots that he takes and then the shots that he wants to be taking. This is not a team that has a lot of shots to give up. So my Mentos analogy was that the Brooklyn Nets are like a, like a bottle of Coke and the, their players are all Mentos. And the more Mentos you throw in, the more the explosion is when it finally happens. And so like, I don't know if LaMarcus Aldridge's personality is going to fit. It does look like Blake Griffin's personality is going to fit in so far through four games. It looks like he's going to be a pretty reasonable 15 to 20 minute a game type of guy. The thing that worries me with Aldridge is like Nick Claxton has been really good for them. And I think that there's a good argument that they're better closing with like Bruce Brown. And so if you, now you have LaMarcus Aldridge and you're going to play big, like you're not going to use, I don't even know, like what, what are they going to do? Like, are they going to close with like KD at the three? I think that's just pointless, right? Like to me, we don't need to see any like, Kyrie, James Harden, Kevin Durant, LaMarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin type lineups, right? Like those lineups are terrible. It's just not good. Like, so why are we going to limit or, or Aldridge at the four and DeAndre Jordan at the five? Like, why are we going to limit what they do the best, which is like space the floor and make open shots? I, I just personally don't see where Aldridge fits. I know you think they might be looking at like, hey, we need a big body to kind of bang with Embiid beyond DeAndre Jordan. And that's probably true but at the same time they're probably just going to be more successful running the Sixers off the well floor. and I, I, it's interesting because the Brooklyn had the best offense in the league Blake Griffin at this point is more of an offensive player LaMarcus Aldridge is okay at both but he can get shots make shots I was wondering like do you think any of this has to do with we need another scorer in case Kevin Durant is just not coming back for like another month or maybe we can't rely on him in the playoffs I think it's definitely possible like I I said you know I think I said a week or so ago like it's not I don't think it's fair to just assume Kevin Durant's gonna be back and be full strength same thing with Embiid so I don't know the problem is like Aldridge is just not that guy like he's just not a guy like you can 
you know, back in the day, like he was like a 22 and 12 guy every night. Right. And, and he'd have those random games where like he was unguardable and he would hit like 20 mid range. Oh my God. It was great. And he, you know, and the thing with like him and Blake Griffin is I would assume that they will still both, you know, Aldridge had started shooting threes more in San Antonio the last couple of years. And I would assume he will here because he'll just get open threes. Right. And they'll just tell him like, Hey, don't take long twos. And I think he'll do that because if you're open, James Harden will find you. Kyrie will find, like, this is a team where you get open shots. And so, you know, for me, the issue is that like playoff rotation shrink. Right. And so at some point, like they're going to have to play eight or nine guys. And what happens when one of these dudes is not playing? And that's, you know, to me, that's the interesting part. And it doesn't make sense to like, like Nick Claxton is, he looks like he's going to be pretty good. Like Bruce Brown is pretty good. Like those are two guys that probably need to be playing. And those are the two guys that are probably going to get hurt the most, like moving forward. And so that's why I don't want to say I don't think the Aldridge thing is going to work. I just want to say that it's not what I would have done. I, I would have focused. I think there's going to be some other buyout candidates. Like you mentioned Gorgie Jang, who signed with San Antonio. I agreed with you that he would be better, I think, for Brooklyn. I think Otto Porter is going to get bought out. I think there's a chance Al Horford would be bought out. I like both those guys better for Brooklyn. So, you know, I don't know. I, I think it's a really interesting move for LaMarcus Aldridge. I also think it shows where veterans view the Nets right now, too. That, like, they are very clearly the title favorite. We talked about how they are the favorite on Bovada, but I think a lot of times guys know who's better and who's worse, but like for nobody to want to go anywhere else, like it just seems like everybody gets rumored to Brooklyn, right? Like I think JJ Reddick probably would have gone to Brooklyn if he didn't get traded. So Yeah. Well and that's in talking about betting, like so do you agree with that that's the consensus, I guess, Bovada has them plus two fifty to win the title ahead of the Lakers. Like, do you still think those are the two teams to beat really? I don't know. I really like, I don't think the Lakers right now, again, I just don't think it's not, it's unfair. I think to, it would be nice. I think to get the Lakers at like a better price in a couple weeks because they'll start losing some games. But like, I don't think the Lakers right now, I don't think we can assume that LeBron will be over his high ankle sprain by the time the playoffs start. And all of a sudden you're playing, you know, two and a half months straight of basketball with no rest. Like, I don't know that we can, Anthony Davis, when he has nagging injuries, they they tend to nag for the entire season. So, like for me, I don't I don't think the Lakers are that team. I would say that I think the Jazz are better right now, and I think the Clippers are better. But I think Brooklyn, at full strength, is going to be the best team in the East. I would caution people on being super nervous when they lose a couple games because, like, when they get everybody back and like KD's taking a large load because right now, like Harden had a thirty point triple double on Monday night. Like, I mean, the guy's playing out of his mind. So. I just feel like we're going to see some growing pains that we maybe thought we were going to see in the front of the year that we're going to start to see a little bit in the back of the year because it's going to be hard to integrate KD. I think they'll do it, but I think the Nets will probably lose some games late. And like you said, Zan, getting the one seed in the East is really important because the team that has to play of the Philly, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, like trio, two of those teams have to play each other before they play the other one. And so you want to be the one seed because you, you, you want to get Miami, I think in that fourth round, I would assume Miami ends up with the four seed Miami or Boston, but well, yeah, let's talk about that. That's a good transition because the other teams that made moves, there's three teams that I think I would call teams that are used to making or noise in the playoffs have made noise recently and maybe have an underwhelming start and they needed to like jumpstart their car again. One of those being Miami, you know, coming off the finals appearance, they're under 500 right now. And so their solution is your guy, Victor Oladipo. Well, two, two solutions, right? Because so they trade for, so, so as of our recording, Miami and Boston for that matter, who, you know, played in the Eastern conference finals last year are 23 and 24. They are tied for the seventh and eighth spot 
the Charlotte Hornets break them up are actually in the four spot, but they're one game up. So it, it's, you know, it's a real log jam from four to even nine. Miami trades for uh, Bielitsa, which I think was pretty good. And then they also trade for Victor Oladipo, which I also think is good for them. I think he fits what they do. They did give up Kelly Olynyk, They gave up Avery Bradley. They gave up two seconds. It's not a great deal for Houston. Uh, I had a great Houston rant on the lost audio, but I just think that like Houston overplayed their hand with Victor Oladipo. One, it seems like the league feels more like Zandrick does that Vio is just a rotational guy. Like he's probably better being your third best player than he's, you know, and he's not going to take that leap back to being an all-star. I think that's probably a fair take at this point. Uh, but I do think what Victor Oladipo does for them is he allows them to match up really, really well with the top of the East because you now have two elite perimeter defenders and Victor is still an elite perimeter defender. The scoring is an issue, but you have Jimmy and you have Victor who can guard Kyrie and they can guard James Harden. Then you have Bam who should be able to do okay on Kevin Durant. And then, you know, Bielitsa gives them more shooting. They did give up Kelly Olynyk, who's been very important to them in the past. But I think like we talked about it, Miami had a bunch of guys on one-year deals with huge team options so they could make deals like this and, and, and make a push. And I think, you know, Aaron Gordon was probably the other big, big name. Vucevic, we'll talk about in a second, you know, made sense as well, but not for a team like Miami. So in terms of what you could get as help on the wing – I think those were the names and Victor Oladipo is pretty clearly the best wing that was available for trade. And I think they did well to get him. I don't know how good it'll make them, but I think it does immediately improve them defensively. And I think that they also have a chance to resign Oladipo, whether or not you think that's a good thing. When you make a deal for a guy like this, you do want to make a deal with the future in mind as well. And, you know, he is going to be a free agent, but I do think he wants to be in Miami. I know he trains there in the off season. And, and so I would be, I think Miami made this deal with the anticipation of just pitching him for the second half of the year and seeing like, Hey, can we get this guy back to who he was in 2017? You know, you don't personally think that's possible, no. but Pat Riley is pretty good at his job. Yeah. And you know, I, I thought Jay Crowder was probably a bad addition last year. And he played really well for he them. He was awesome. Yeah. He's been yeah. good for Phoenix too, by the way. It's weird. Yeah. So maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. But you were right about Iguodala. That was terrible. Like you, you, you nailed that and one. And Oladipo. Like I said, I felt like Galileo or something ahead of my time and like crucified and vilified by the world. The, the consensus group thing. Cause I'm like, Oladipo, he's a good, he's very good for like five years, had one really good year and then never had another really good year again. And everyone acts like that one year was the truth. But you also are doing the classic, hot take commentator thing where you you leave out that he like had a very serious lower body injury like 10 games into his second season so like yeah who isn't injured i'm a little injured i got problem knees right now i'm gutting it out and if you say oh he was injured he's not the same maybe you shouldn't sign him to a huge extension next year then yeah i I listen i totally agree with you again i think houston when i look at what the moves that houston's made i understand that they're in a tough situation and i understand that like Daryl kind of just set the building on fire and walked away, which is always really funny. But like, you could have just kept Karis LeVert. You could have just kept Jared Allen. And instead you get Victor Oladipo. He says he's not going to resign. You realize that he's not that good anyway. And then you trade him for Kelly Olenek, Avery Bradley, and like scrap and a pick swap. It's just, you just did a really yeah. bad job. Like, and it just, sucks in a way because Houston's just like disastrous season, right? Like they're not even there. Somehow they're, they lost like 20 games in a row. Right. And they're still better than Timberwolves. I don't know how that's possible. Well, it's like that Alexander's no good. Very bad day. Did you yeah, read that great one? Great book. I did read it. I'm having yeah. one of those days right now, actually. <laughs> Houston's had that kind of year. Cause it's just like 
And it goes to show you like Harden just completely just like sabotage their season. Yeah, oh, man, it's tough. And it's like Kawhi with the Spurs. Like it's all forgiven because Harden's really good and he's going to maybe win a title and, and be in an MVP conversation again. Like the, the bad attitude works out every time over and over in the NBA. Same with Anthony do, Davis last year. Do it's you just like, think, do you think it's all forgiven? Cause Harden is, I mean, Harden's amazing. He said himself that he was the MVP and I, I tend to, you know, he's not going to win MVP. I think he will finish in the top five, but like he's been carrying the Nets have won 18 out of 20 games as of our recording and they've not played Kevin Durant at all in that stretch. And Kyrie's played about, I would say like 50 to 60% of that stretch. And so, you know, Harden is directly responsible for that. The team has the, like I said, the 2013, like Western conference all-stars, but like the rest of the team is like, not that good. I mean, they're, they're good, right? Joe Harris is a really good player. Like Bruce Brown is a good player. Like they have good players, but like is Brooklyn without Harden? Like, let's say the team when it's Harden and the other two stars are out, is that Brooklyn supporting cast as better or worse than like the supporting cast he had in Houston? It's not right. Like, so no, I, Harden's too, amazing. There's no doubt about but that. But do you um, think people are, do you think like he's forgiven? I don't think so. I think when the playoffs start, like people are going to be pretty if he wins the title, If he wins the title, he wins the finals MVP, let's say, then he got his way. I'll soon tell Kevin Durant's doing podcasts about how he should have been the finals MVP if that happens. Like 12 days after the finals. I mean, no. the guy is unreal. Like he just. Well, Miami is a good place for Oladipo because in a way I feel like they are the Oladipo of Eastern Conference teams in this sense. Because it's like everyone's judging based on a high. Like last year, things went great. Yeah, and perfect. It, it went as good as it could possibly go. Them and, and the Lakers were the two teams that showed up like ready to go in the bubble. And it, so it showed. Right. And now Philly's better. Brooklyn's healthier and ready to go. Milwaukee's still really good. And now Miami is eight, trying to get up to like four. And that's probably their peak, right? I, I think you're higher on them than I am. And it just makes me think like, should they have just sold high on Tyler Hero, Tyler Hero. And, and tried to get James Harden themselves, tried to get Bradley Beal. And now you settle for like the discount store version of that with Victor how, Oladipo. How about that, by the way? Like, and this is actually, I'll segue for you. I want to talk about Orlando for a quick second because they did make the the most moves. But like, how about the Wizards? Like not even a whisper of like, let's move Bradley Beal. Like, yeah, that's so, interesting. Huh? So you, you have a situation, right? Where Orlando, in my opinion, I'll, I'll lump Orlando, Chicago and Washington all in the exact same mix. I give Orlando credit. I give Jeff Weltman a lot of credit. Like they looked in the mirror and they were like, look, we're just not very good. This is just not going to work out. We're going to trade. We're going to, we're going to rebuild a rebuild, right? They're, they're going to tear it down and they have a legitimate direction. The bulls looked at Zach Levine and were like, Hey, this guy's a star. I think Zane, you agree with that for this year. At least he's been tremendous. He's been really good. And they're like, we want to build around him. So Orlando was like, all right, we'll give you Nick Vucevic. And they traded Wendell Carter, who I think is a very good player. Otto Porter, who that contract didn't really work out. And for the Wizards or for Chicago. And then two first round picks, which I thought was a lot to give up for Nick Vucevic, especially for a team like Chicago, because like they're 19 and 26. They're maybe going to make the play in tournament, but probably not. So this is really a move for next year. And I just think it's a mistake for them. Just like I think for the Wizards, they trade Troy Brown and Mo Wagner for Daniel Gafford and Chandler Hutchinson. It's like, what, what does that even matter? Right? Like that play your young guys, play Troy Brown. Like I, I don't get it. And so you have a situation where one team looks in the mirror and they're like, okay, this sucks, but the next couple drafts are pretty good. Like we need to rebuild. Like we have to do it. And then you have like the Wizards who are awful. And then you have Chicago who's like, well, maybe we'll go all in because like Billy Donovan is a pretty good coach and we can win. And I just think like that's the scape of the league. You you have to be very 
cognizant of where you are. You, you just have to know. And that's why like I've given Masai tons of credit because he realized like, hey, we have one chance and it, it went all in and it worked, right? And now it's not, it's not working, right, Sam? Like Toronto is kind of a, a shell of itself. But like you have to be able to do that. And so like for Washington, like what's going to happen this summer? Bradley Beal's value is going to be a little bit less and like you're going to trade him by the draft to somebody? Well, I think, hold- I think Westbrook is showing enough signs of life and he had an amazing game the other night. Yeah, the they're, first they're talking uh, themselves into it. The first 35 point, 20 rebound triple double ever from Amazing. Russ on uh, Monday night. But I agree with you. I love what Orlando did. And I equated to like, there's tanking is the known thing, but a lot of teams like try to like desperately paddle and stay afloat and yeah. stay in that seven, nine, eight, nine range. You know, Charlotte did it for a while. Orlando has been doing it for a while. And then at a certain point, you realize, like, I just can't hang on anymore and just, like, let go and sink to the bottom of the ocean. And that gives you, like, no guarantees, but it gives you a clear direction, a clear plan. And, like, hey, maybe we have to be bad for two or three years and add talent. But I kind of like it. Um, They're going to have a shot at a superstar in the draft. They might do it again next year. And in the meantime, they're kind of investing in sort of, you know, RJ Hampton, Wendell Carter, you know, guys who were, were, you know – interesting solid prospects and maybe they can be like starters for them down the road and i think the interesting thing is too they paid jonathan isaac he's making like around 90 million dollars next year when he comes back they paid markel faults coming off a serious leg injury cole anthony's been injured but like they do have some young guys who they believe in it'll be interesting to see what they do with jonathan isaac like is because i I do think he'd have value so do i i think that too i think and uh and he's i think he's really well cast is even coming off injury He's really good all around, especially he defensively. He but he's not the kind of guy who's going to be like your best player alpha dog. No, and so they're trying to find that best player yeah. to play with, you know, Markel, play with Chima Ukiki, but if it's, RJ yeah, Hampton, if, it, if it's Cade like, Cunningham or whatever, it's like really good. easy fit. Make him the star, make Jonathan Isaac the Scottie Pippen to him, and you really have something. And I do think Toronto probably deserves a mention here. They did not deal Kyle Lowry. Uh, the Sixers ended up getting George Hill which I think makes total sense for the Sixers. I don't want to gloss over them at all, but they get some length, they get some extra shooting, they get another secondary ball handler, and they don't give up very much, and they certainly don't have to worry about sending contracts back or what they're going to do you know, in free agency with Kyle Lowry. George Hill is injured right now. We probably need to wait and see if he's going to be able to play at a high level. But, you know, Zan, Hill is a proven playoff contributor, and I think for the Sixers, it, it makes sense, right? He can play with Seth Curry, he can play with Shake Milton, he can play with Ben Simmons, like – so it, it makes sense if he's the guy we think he is. He's not the same defender he was. So, And they only gave up Terrence Ferguson, Tony Bradley, and a couple second-round picks, got back Iggy Brisdakis, and then Austin Rivers went to Oklahoma City and got bought out. Presumably Rivers is going to go to the Bucs, which good for the Bucs. But is it? I don't know if it's good for the Bucs. I think good for Philly. I agree. It's sort of like, you know, if you're golfing and you're putting, it's like the – you could have tried for the hole on the long putt, but it probably wouldn't have worked out. The so Kyle Lowry putt. thing, or you lay two putt, play safe. I think that's smart. I think I like the rock construction of their team. I think they have a chance to make the conference finals. So do I. Uh, I think they have a chance to make the finals. To be totally honest with you, like I don't, I wouldn't. I think Bovada is right to have them as the third favorite in the East, but and you know, who? And hey, look, we saw it with Toronto. If you're in the top four or five, you got a chance. You catch a couple breaks. LeBron re-injures his ankle or whatever. You know Durant his... doesn't. Durant doesn't play. Like right. you never know. Like it could definitely. Giannis gets hurt. We saw that happen. Like it, you never know. So I think if Embiid comes back healthy, this this definitely makes them 
a little bit better. I don't think it, their biggest concern is they need it. You know, like they would have honestly made some more sense for Rondo than like, I think the Clippers did, but I understand not doing it because like Rondo and Embiid, that would have been a real Mentos situation. So <laughs> I get not doing it, but then Toronto, I don't know, like everyone who seems to give Masai credit for everything. And I saw like Zach Harper on the athletic, right. About how he really liked Masai not trading Kyle when, when he didn't get an offer of what he was worth because it shows like he's not going to bend his knee. And like, that's fine. No, but you that's also, wrong. you that's also wrong. still got no value from him. You're not going to resign him. They traded Norman Powell for Gary Trent and uh, Rodney Hood to, to Portland, which I think great, good deal for Portland. I think Norman Powell is much more capable of playing with CJ and Dame in a playoff series than Gary Trent. And, but they did trade two rotation players, but like Toronto, we talked about this before, you know, Norman Powell went from like good piece to like $15 million man pretty quickly. And we knew they were going to have to deal him. So they did well with that. I, I think that was pretty good. I didn't expect to see it, but like they traded Terrence Davis for nothing they didn't trade Kyle Lowry. And now like you're coming back next year and like, yeah, you have Gary Trent, you have Rodney Hood, whatever, but like you're definitely worse in the future. And then Lowry yeah. walks for nothing. So it's just, it's definitely true. Like Messiah has like earned it. Like the benefit. He, does, he has, he absolutely. He has absolutely. And, but you know, we saw that with Bill Belichick won every trade or the Spurs allegedly won every for, trade for and, a while. They did. And Danny Ainge has kind of lost that luster, but he used to have it. But I, yeah, I agree. I think it was a big mistake not getting something for Lowry. Cause, and you kind of showed your hand. You're, you re-signed Van Vliet to a big contract. You bring in Gary Trent Jr. He's going to be a restricted free agent. And he's best as a shooting guard, I think. He's got to be. Yeah, he's going to be a shooting guard. And so that's your backcourt. So there's really no place for Lowry on a big money deal. Um, and you they're going to have to give, aren't they going to have to give Gary Trent? Like Gary Trent's going to get, like, what's the smallest contract Gary Trent 15 million at least. I was going to say, like, there's no way he gets three for 30. Like you're paying him double digit millions probably. Yeah. And so it was a mistake. Like they couldn't find it. Daryl Morey said their their demands were too high in La La Land. And I mean, they, they asked. Didn't get they it asked done. for two first round picks. The, the reported trade was they asked for two first round picks, Tyrese Maxey and Tibble from the Sixers, and then they obviously would have had to take back Danny Green because of the salaries. But that is a lot of the best case scenario for Toronto. You're in the eleventh spot right now. Theoretically, you can get up to nine or ten. Work your way into the playoffs. And they'd be kind know. of a scary team, though. If they would if be the in, eight the, season, in the right? eighth spot. It's tough, though. Like, I, I don't know, man. They, like, Boston got better, right? Boston traded for Fournier, two seconds for Fournier. Then they traded Daniel Tice for Mo Wagner, which was just a specifically get under the cap move. I would expect Boston to be active on the buyout market. Fournier definitely makes Boston better. So they're they're doing fine. The Hawks definitely got better. I thought like trading for Lou Williams, who by the way said he was gonna he thought about retiring when he saw the deal, which is interesting because he's from Atlanta. But uh, so Lou Williams is gonna make Atlanta better. I would I would expect he would make Atlanta I, I, better. I don't know about that, but the team we forgot and it's kind of telling. Denver, um, you know they had sort of a Miami ish like I don't want to say best case scenario, but a great run last year. Beat the Clippers, made the conference finals. And then everyone expected them to be right back in that mix, one, two, or three. And they're, now they're fifth, missing Jeremy Grant. And so I guess they find his replacement, and they traded for Aaron Gordon. Yeah, this is a really good deal, I think. So they trade Gary Harris, who Jamal Murray wasn't super happy about it. But they trade Gary Harris, they trade RJ Hampton, and then they, I believe they traded a first, right? I want to make sure that I have this deal correct. Uh, but, 2025 yeah. first-round pick is protected. This is a great deal. Uh, Gordon can play the four for them. Michael Porter Jr. now gets to play the three. We get to see Aaron Gordon playing the four full time. Uh, I, I think I would expect Aaron Gordon to be quite good there. 
I give yeah, Denver. Yeah, I, I kind of like him with Porter because theoretically it's like Gordon will take the tougher matchup. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, Porter is free to rebound and push the ball. And I think, you know, Gordon, you have another year with him too. So for Denver, I think if it doesn't make them, if it doesn't push them into like the Clippers, Jazz, Lakers category this year, and it might not, I think it definitely does next year. I don't see any reason why we'd expect Jokic's quality of play to fall over the year. Like, you know what I mean? Like the guy's probably the MVP favorite. I don't, I'm not sure what Bovada has right now, but he's playing freaking out of his mind. I would expect him to do that next year. And you have another year to try to build your, your team. You have a couple other pieces. You, you saved money. Like, I just think this is a home run. I think this was probably the best deal of the trade deadline. Excluding, like, I, I really like what Orlando did just as a whole. Yeah, I, I thought Orlando I'm like was. A, I'm excited if I'm an Orlando fan. Right. And, let, let me read you, though, this. Um, how does it shake up the rest of the year? This is according to Bovada, Western Conference odds. And they're much different than the standings. So that's telling. Okay. Standings, just to remind people Utah one, Phoenix two, Clippers, Lakers, Denver. Okay. That's the, the current standings. Okay. According to Bovada, Lakers plus 160. To win the West, Clippers next plus two seventy. Okay, your your Jazz being disrespected plus four fifty. Denver is now up to plus seven fifty, and then Phoenix again the second seed is plus twelve hundred. They're currently listed fifth, most likely. Do you think that feels accurate? And no, the Jazz should be the Jazz should have the best odds. I'm telling you, the Jazz are the best team in the West as of today. Yeah, I kind of agree with Bovada. Like, I think the Lakers, if they're healthy, I would trust them. I like the Clippers losing Lou Williams, and then I put Jazz third, I think. I just don't understand. Like, so for me, and this is the hard part, right? And I understand why people do this. They did this with Milwaukee, and they've been right. Like, everyone's like, oh, you got to see them do it first, right? Yeah, you have to see it. Like, I just don't know what the Jazz can show the rest of the season that will make anyone feel like they're legitimately the favorite in the West. Like, they're just whacking teams. Like, they're the best team in the NBA right now. It's like they are right now, but yeah, they beat the Nets, Sands, Stars, and it's fine. But like, I just, I just personally, you know, in Utah, they traded for Matt Thomas from Toronto, which is good. It gives them a little extra shooting, which is what they want. I still feel the way I did when we did the whole show about Utah that like the lack of a second three and D guy to give uh, Royce O'Neal a break just makes me feel like they're gonna probably fall a little bit short i don't know i mean we'll have like to add, see what if they added auto porter maybe right i don't, I, I, I don't I think don't he's gonna go there but i don't know how active they'll be in the buyout market because like i said there, there's gonna be 10 to 15 guys that are worth i think kicking the tires on that can come in and play right away i don't know what utah will do i think i think quinn snyder is very proud of like the culture he's built the way their team works we still don't know what's going to happen like rudy could be really good in the playoffs or at the same problems could rear their ugly heads and so that's where i'm i'm, I'm concerned a little see, bit I, i'm still falling into the lebron lakers i think they're probably the second favorite overall to me behind brooklyn but listen to this this could be brutal theoretically they might fall they might fall farther than fifth but let's say they fall to fifth they would have to go on the road denver round one Utah round two on the road again to place the Clippers and then go on the road again in the finals to fight Brooklyn. Like that's a really tough road. No, it definitely, it definitely is. You're absolutely right about that. And like you said, if you, I mean, I don't personally know high ankle sprains are no joke, man. So like, I don't know. It'll be really interesting to me to see how LeBron comes back when Anthony Davis has nagging injuries. Like I said, they they nag for the entire season. So 
I think the idea of the Lakers is great, but right now that's all they really are. You know, we saw them win the title last year. It was a tremendous run. Uh, It was the weirdest season probably in NBA history. This is not going to be like that. This is going to be a real, you know, you're going to come off a super cramped second half of the season into the normal playoff schedule and like coming off injury for guys that are not, you know, LeBron's at some point, the guy's 35, right? Like at some point, like we're going to see LeBron not be able to do it. And I'm not saying it's this year. I, I, the guy doesn't deserve to be counted out, but it seems really, really hard to be like, they're the favorites in the West to me. at yeah. least. And I think the playoffs should be really fun this year, especially the second round. Cause the East still has some filler teams, to be honest. Like the Knicks aren't going to do anything in the playoffs. No offense. <laughs> Um, do we know that the Knicks are even going to make the playoffs? There's, well, they're above 500. They're fifth right now. Charlotte's appre- above 500. I do appreciate, like, so Charlotte traded, you know, LaMelo Ball gets hurt. We talked about it. Charlotte gets Brad Wanamaker, which I think is fine, but it doesn't really move the needle. But I appreciated teams like the Knicks and Charlotte for once not being like, oh, my God, we have to add somebody because we're, like, in the playoff mix, right? Like, just stamp hat, so, play your so game. So you like it. So who's your winner of the deadline, loser of the deadline? I know I'm putting you on the spot. I can okay, losers. The Wizards are just the losers. They're just the biggest freaking losers in the entire world. So uh, that's just my personal loser. I would say I think Houston is the biggest loser. Like, because obviously Houston was the team that had, like, the deals to make. They had Oladipo, like – and they just did nothing with it. Like it just turned into absolutely nothing. They they have a pick, pick swap, which I think is Brooklyn's pick anyway. So I think Houston's a loser. I think, and I think Denver and Orlando are the, the two biggest winners. Like I just think Orlando and for different reasons, but I think Orlando was able to self-evaluate where they were correctly, start their rebuild now, make sure you don't, this, this is a good draft. This is a really good top of the draft, whether it's Cade or it's Evan Mobley or it's Jalen Suggs, Jalen Green, whoever you like being in the top five in this year's draft is important, I think. And, and so that and then to get two only top four protected first round picks from Chicago, one of which is next year in another very good draft, I think is really good by them. And then Denver, like I said, you know, like you said, they added a guy who I think is better than Jeremy Grant and uh, I think is better fit for them. And so I think it's going to make them really tough in the West. Yeah. And I like uh, in general, I like all those teams who kind of have a plan basically like Denver is like, man, you know what? We kind of miss having Jeremy Grant around to guard these bigger forwards. We we're replacing him. I think the Clippers candidly made the decision based on the fact that Lou Williams, they don't think is very good anymore. He's just not. not yeah. It just doesn't fit what they needed. And Philly playoffs. didn't make a big move based on the fact that they, they like their team. They like the, how it's playing right now. I think that makes sense. And to your point, like Orlando understands where they are. Um, so the teams that are a little more confusing. Sacramento. You know, we didn't even talk about Sacramento, but like yeah, what the hell is or Sacramento Chicago. Doing? You're right about Chicago. It's like you, we went all in on a team that's the 10th seed right now and may not make the playoffs. They might be better in the, they might be better in the future, but like you've said to me privately, like if Kobe white is not the guy, then you really have two pieces. You're probably going to block Lori Markin in a little bit more. Like it's just, it's, it's a weird situation. I do think Troy Brown is a pretty good upside play for them. Daniel Tice, I would assume is not going to be on their team past next year. I think Boston did. Okay. Or- I, I guess it's, it did poorly just because it's like I like Tice. Like I don't know what they're doing. What but if the they're going to play, is. if they're going to play Robert Williams more, and they're under the yeah. tax, and now they can actively, they can be active on the buyout market and, and maybe get, like I said, like I don't know, Al Horford would be like a dream come true. I don't know that he'll get bought out, but I do want to say like Sacramento. So they flip Corey Joseph for Delon Wright, which is going to end up being like a salary move for Detroit. But then like they take Terrence Davis, and that's good. But then they get rid of Bielitsa for like. Harkless, I, they didn't trade Harrison Barnes. Like, they didn't kick the tires on Buddy. Like, I, I, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know what's going on in Sacramento, but it's not good for your guy Marvin Bagley. It's just not. 
Like, there's just it's it's not going to be possible. He needed something. Think. He wanted. I thought he could get his change of scenery maybe somewhere. I don't know. Uh, the, I guess the other thing I'll say too is I think this year's trade deadline was actually like pretty reasonable in terms of like moves that made sense. Like sometimes you look at things and you're like, why are teams doing this? Like why are teams trading? But I wasn't sure how it would go, especially based on like the financial stuff stuff that we've heard. And so I actually thought like I was only truly blown away. The 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 only deal that I looked at where I was like, what in the F is this? was Rondo for Lou Williams. That was like the truly the only deal where I was like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. Everything else I think was like pretty reasonable, even though like, even yeah, like insulting yeah. Sacramento, like small well, deals and, that like made sense. And like I said, and, I just, and, and Sacramento's won five in a row. Teams are getting smarter, honestly, like and GMs are smarter than they used to be. Like 10 years ago, you would see some wild ass moves, you know? Can I ask you a question? Do yeah. you think, so Golden State, specifically did this because golden state has a tax bill of like a hundred million dollars but they basically paid the hornets to take brad wanamaker and then i believe they paid i think they paid the kings for marcus marquise chris right no the spurs took marquise chris so in theory you could just attach money to a guy for like a protected second round pick and it doesn't count against your salary cap right and it doesn't count against like your tax bill it's just money you just send them so like how much money can you attach to a pick to get under the tax because like if you could do that, right? If you could pay like $20 million to avoid paying $80 million, doesn't that seem like a stupid loophole? Isn't that like probably bad by the league? I, I don't know. Do you know this? I don't know it. I I don't know. It's not, it's not quite the NFL where like the salary cap is just so confusing, but there are little tweaks in the Peter taxes. I don't really follow because it doesn't seem to yeah, really matter. So, that's what I said. I'm too lazy to read like it's, the CBA, It's like the Boston one. Like, the Boston, I didn't like their moves. And then you hear about like getting under the tax and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, this seems like spin by the media. Like, why do, I never hear about this unless they're trying to spin me somehow. It does seem like spin. The other deal that we didn't talk about, we should probably throw it in there. JJ Redick and uh, Niccolo Melli to Dallas. So more shooting for them. Dallas gets off that James Johnson expiring. Wes Awundu. Yeah, and, and maybe they game. missed Seth Curry. I mean, he was so good for them last year. And 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 Reddick's hurt right now, a little heel injury. But uh, in his podcast, he said he would be back. And so could definitely be very helpful for Dallas as they are playing a bit better. But again, it does seem like, and I, I don't want to make this prediction as of March 30th, but like, I think it's a six-team race. I, I do think I could see any of those three teams in the East and then the two LA teams and the Jazz. I could see any of those six winning a title without really having to like stretch my mind. Beyond that, I don't think. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, this is where I'm. I'm more Joe Public because I, I still think Utah's six pretty could, clearly. But if Utah won the title, would it really stun you? Like, would you be totally no, you'd stunned understand out of your it. mind? You'd, you'd understand it. Like, hey, this is the best team all year. They won the title. It's not a but shock. Like Den- I don't think Denver and Portland are in that mix. Although I, I will tell you this. If it comes down to Game 7, Utah, Lakers in the conference finals, and then Utah wins that game, there will be like a minute where I'm like, whoa, I'm pretty surprised that LeBron just lost that. You're just, But now you're talking about just like LeBron, right? If it was, De- let's say it was Denver, or let's say it was, it was Clippers, Clippers, Clippers Utah, losing. Yeah. would you be like, wow, I'm really surprised Kawhi lost that? No, no. That's what I'm saying. So it's like yeah. LeBron is just done. Look, LeBron's just the best. Uh, other thing I will say real quick before we sign off, I watched that Inside Story, the four-part like documentary on Inside the NBA, and uh, I don't know if it's on demand. I had DVR'd it, but finally got around to it. But it's it's pretty pretty darn good. Like it's it's pretty interesting. It's an interesting look into like Ernie, Chuck, Kenny, and Shaq. And uh, we talk a lot about Inside the NBA on the show just because of like what it means to the NBA and everybody watches it. But 
I would recommend it for people who, uh, if you haven't watched it and you have a chance on demand, it's, it's, it's really, really interesting. You get to look at like the cast and the crew of the show as well. And they talk a lot about guys and I just think it's, it's fun. It's funny. It's like good TV and, you know, it sounds, sounds incredibly boring, but for me, it's a lot of good TV. No, they show so many clips that are just hilarious. You know what I mean? Like all like the best clips, like Shaq arguing about filling your gas tank up halfway and stuff. <laughs> like, like they have all that stuff on there. And I think that it's, it's just a really fun show. And so I would recommend that to anybody who's like looking for something to watch in the doldrums. Or listen of, to, I would recommend MTV challenge, except the podcast hosted by Xander Gallison. He is uh, uh, Zan underscore Ellison on Twitter and Reddit. And you can email the show Ellison at gmail com right that's what you're getting at to, to yeah, play me and, off well once you're done recommending non-podcast shows yeah i just you know sometimes us. we talk about tv all right uh we will be back next week mtv channels accepted sometimes thursdays sometimes fridays but uh zan as always buddy it's a pleasure take care thanks for listening to the underdog sports nba show with your host tyler laurie and zandrick ellison tune in next week for more nba storylines and news 